Produced in one of the world's longest-running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka. Belvedere is made with non-GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. Recognized for quality, Belvedere was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today, and remember to always drink responsibly. What do you wish for most this holiday? If you're like me, you want all W's for your favorite NFL team. Unfortunately, even Santa can't make that happen. But the Yahoo Sports mobile app can make it so you can watch those games and more right on your phone. In fact, with the Yahoo Sports mobile app, you can watch live local and primetime NFL games during the holidays and all season long. Never miss big matchups or your favorite team in action. What are you waiting for? Download the Yahoo Sports mobile app and may all your football wishes come true. Unless, of course, your team is playing against mine. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. You're in Los Angeles, Robert. Mays. Yeah, we are. We're sitting in the same room. It's always fun. Big week of football coming up. It's week 15, man. There's we're a lot of there. stuff happening. We're getting there. The I mean, race, the race to the NFC six seed is on. That's not the one I'm most interested in. I would say it's the AFC. The AFC wild card interests me far more than the NFC six seed. I can't wrap my head around every week we just cancel a team like the vikings who they're going to be the six seed. their offensive coordinator their odds to make the playoffs are like minus 140 there's no other team yeah the panthers falling off kind of just torpedoed any interest in what's going on there which is a bummer panthers could crawl back into it i think if cams actually hurt then they're not interesting to me right i mean the nfc looked so stacked at the beginning of the season, and now, who cares about like <laughs> any of the, outside of the top three teams? Like, if you yeah. want to throw Dallas in there, Seattle's fun, I guess. But I mean, we thought the NFC would be seven, eight. No, deep. but Seattle's got the five seed unlocked. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like they're going to be in. Yeah, but I mean, we thought the the NFC was going to be an all out war for those playoff spots, and it's whatever the opposite no, of that is. We also thought the Eagles it's like were, a game of tiddlywinks for the, the sixth e- spot. Teams like the Eagles and the Vikings, I mean, we thought that they were going to be contenders, and we were, we were wrong. It's been a bizarre year, but all right, so let's talk about the Vikings. We're going to kick it off today by talking about just kind of how the framework of the hot coaching candidates has changed over the last three months, I guess, like during yep. the season. Yep. So coming into the year, I feel like obviously John Filippo was a hot offensive coordinator candidate, but even I think through five or six weeks, we all figured that he might be a head coach candidate. I mean, we threw out his name several times on this show and now he's fired. A, a lot of that comes from what he did in Philadelphia. Of course. The, he, they, they, and I want to, because Nick Foles is bad now. John Filippo has been fired. Mike Grow is under fire as Eagles offensive coordinator and Doug Peterson is not like the genius he did last year. But the one thing we need to revisit is what they did with Nick Foles during the the playoff bye week is one of the best coaching jobs in the history of football. They won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles because they were able to basically figure everything out on the fly, have padded practices during that bye week, use it as training camp essentially those those 10 days. It was fascinating. And so coming off of that Everyone who had touched that month was considered an offensive god, and John D. Filippo. Everyone got jobs. Yeah, I mean, it, Frank Reich is the is the head coach in Indianapolis because of that week, and John D. Filippo was is the off, was the offensive coordinator in Minnesota, 
and was considered a head coach candidate because of that week. Yes. And now he's out of a job. So we don't need to get into all of the specifics about why he got fired. I feel like with him and Zimmer, it was one of those things where Zimmer really wants to run the ball. They couldn't run the ball. There was no sense in running it more often than they did. So Filippo didn't. And it really pissed off his head coach. So it seems like... Too straight. Two straight mid-season offensive coordinator changes for Mr. Mike Zimmer. That's kind of what I'm getting at, is that for the most part, I feel like Filippo may not have done the best job he could, but I also feel like the circumstances in Minnesota were not conducive to, one, his success, and two, him keeping that job for very long. But I feel like the flip side of that is that as these kind of guys have fallen out of favor, the dudes we thought would be the hot candidates by the end of this season— there are other guys that have kind of risen. Mm-hmm. And I wrote about this a little bit today, but the one person I would throw out over anyone else, and it's only been a month, but I think that you have to recognize what he's done, is Freddie Kitchens. Yep. What he's done in Cleveland is remarkable. I mean, Baker Mayfield is completing 75% of his passes while averaging like 9.5 yards per attempt over the last month. And that's a almost a direct correlation from when Kitchens took over. Yeah. So you so, have these guys that have just kind of ascended and other guys that have fallen away. There's a couple of things. Number one, this is something we've learned a couple of times. Ken Wisenhunt lost his job because they couldn't protect Marcus Mariota. And owners, when they have a 24, 25-year-old quarterback who they've invested a top five pick in, they want their quarterback to be upright and not, not unable to fly in commercial aircraft like our friend Deshaun Watson. Under now, siege at all times. Now, since Freddie Kitchens took over, Baker Mayfield has the best protection rate in the NFL. He's being pressured 11% of the time, which is just outrageous. And when he is being pressured, he's the best, he has the best rating in football. I mean, that was not happening with Hugh Jackson. And, and I just think that that's a testament to him. If he doesn't get ahead, if he doesn't just get the permanent job in Cleveland, and he might not. If someone from a college program comes in, if someone like a Lincoln Riley comes in, if someone, you know, uh, in another, maybe even another head coach from another program comes in, they might have their their own um, their their own offensive play caller. Freddie Kitchens is going to be a play caller in 2019. So you think, you, you think that's kind of the ceiling for next year? He's just going to be an offensive coordinator somewhere? Uh, I, I, I would guess so. I mean, he's only called plays for five weeks. I, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, it just feels like as we, how many times have we had this conversation on this show about who you'd want, who you'd bet on as your kind of head coach, offensive coordinator pairing, like the guy that's both. And we don't have that many names to throw out there. And what he's done in the last month, it just feels like, I don't know, Matt Nagy was a play caller only for like a month and a half. And he got a head coaching job. I don't know. It just, I think you're right. I think he is going to end up being an OC next season. But I also think that, I don't know, man. Like, if you're going to hire a head coach and there aren't that many guys that you feel that good about, why wouldn't you kind of roll the dice on him? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it comes down to, I mean, first of all, Manegi was the offensive coordinator for two full seasons. Yes. That's yes. that's important to note. But you're in the meetings, you, you yeah. kind of just by osmosis. Yeah. yeah I, I understand that. It comes down to, I mean, I think a lot of it, and I, I don't know Freddie Kitchens that well, um, but I do know it comes down to a lot to just convincing owners that you're the guy. Yeah. And I, it, I know that we all think that we're on a higher point of existence here and that we're beyond just getting the owner to like you, but that's 95% of it once you're above a certain level. So, Especially I think, for head coaching jobs. Yeah. Personality is like 
just you cannot overstate how important it is. Yeah. I mean, like I remember somebody saying this a couple of uh, years ago. It was about bad MBA general managers. And I don't remember who it was, but they were saying that they made the point, it was a reporter, and they made the point that a lot of times the owner just thinks like, you know what? I'm going to have to be on a plane with this guy like all the time. Do I want to hang out with this guy or not? And like, and that's Those are long how, days, man. Yeah, and that's how it happens that like, you know, Joe Dumars has a job for two decades. It's because, you know, he was a good guy. That was, it was literally Joe Dumars was the jumping off point for that. It's like you're, the owner was impressed by Joe, just by hanging out with Joe Dumars. So he got a, had a job five years longer than he should have. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of the thing with all this is that we can kind of elevate dudes as much as we want to. We can talk about the guys that are the right candidates, but when it comes down to it, it's going to be personality. It's going to be a lot of stuff that we can't account for if we don't know these people. So, all right. Uh, Let's move on. Yes. Let's get to this week's Take Shop. I am very excited about yours, and why don't you lay it on me? Why aren't the Raiders just moving to Las Vegas now? So let's... Where would they play? I think mean, that's my I only mean, question. Where do they play the damn Las Vegas Bowl? They play just play... UNLV, the, I assume? Yeah, UNLV. Yeah. What's the problem here? That's fine. The Bears so, played in Champaign for a year. And the, Ra- so the Rams strange. currently play in Co- that's Coliseum. That was so strange. It's definitely the weirdest so year of Bears it's football. Sam Boyd Stadium. It's forty thousand people. Okay, so we'd have a bit of a StubHub situation on our. It's hands. twice as big. It's twice as big. Forty thousand is not that bad. Um, yeah, it's where UNLV played. It is where the Las Vegas Bowl was played. Although the Las Vegas Bowl is moving to the Raiders Stadium, according to Wikipedia. I mean, that would what make a sense. Sad, what a sad moment for all us Las Vegas Bowl heads. T- tough for the UNLV football program and so, their general perception. Are they staying at Sam? Wow, they're st- why doesn't UNLV just move to the Raiders Stadium? That'd be kind of weird. Why not? Pitt plays at the Steelers Stadium. Yeah, that's outside, though. Like, like, college team playing in a big dome that's half full? That's kind of weird. There's a lot of that, I think. That's Who a, else does that? Uh, Syracuse plays the Carrier Dome. Yeah, but I don't. I'd have to. I don't know enough about college football. I think there's. I, I just, there's I something weird to me about college football in a dome. Maybe that's just like a just cognitive dissonance sort of thing because I've never seen it really heard before. Of a guy named Carson Wentz. Did they play in a dome? Absolutely. They play in a little indoor weird stadium. Interesting. I, I don't know much about the North Dakota State facilities. I'm going to bring it up and I'm going to show you in a second. All right. What I'm saying is the city of Oakland is suing. The Raiders to basically to stay or it's it's an illegal move. That's what they're saying. So they're feuding with the city of Oakland. Now we find out that basically they don't have a place to play in 2019. They're considering San Diego. Their Mark Davis came out and said they were considering San Antonio, but they don't like the turf. So I guess that San Antonio could just change its turf. But what yeah, I how is that is, a problem? I don't understand. Well, they're indoors. That's what I mean, though. How can you just not just change the turf? Like, is that a huge undertaking? I don't. That's the thing that would deter you from moving your football team there. Look at North Dakota State's weird, weird indoor stadium. Well, I kind of like that. Yeah, I'm into that. It's pretty tight, right? Yeah. All right. I mean, in North Dakota, you probably shouldn't play outside. That makes sense. Yeah. Great. All right. So what I understand is, if you're going to move to San Antonio or San Diego or any of these places for one year. What's the point? You're not building your fan base. I mean, say what you will about the Chargers, but at least the Chargers are developing 30,000 whatever, maybe less, uh, fan base. I mean, I, I just, I, I kind of, that's that's my general vibe on it is that the Chargers are making some inroads to where they're not going to show up in that in that Inglewood Stadium and just have a completely empty stadium. They're going to have some. I, obviously, the Raiders are not going to have trouble having fans wherever they go, but I just don't know why you wouldn't just move to Las Vegas right now. I understand 
Now, the argument is the facilities aren't good. It would need big upgrades. But like, I, I thought, uh, who cares? Well, I, Have you seen the Raiders facilities in yeah. Oakland? Well, Ben Roethlisberger says the x-ray machine doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, I'm not too worried about that. I'm sure it's up to par for whatever the Raiders are used Did to dealing with. Did you see with. that? Um, so Roethlisberger says that the, the x-ray machine doesn't work. And then John Feliciano, who plays for the Raiders, said, well, our x-ray machine is better than the one in London. So now we're just getting into x-ray. X-ray, x-ray drama. Politics. I was not ready for that this x-ray week. That's a new thing. Politics. I, I'm totally with you. I mean, think about like what the Rams did. They didn't have two lame duck years in St. Louis. They came no. out here. It's a weird situation. Well, they did have quietly like four lame, deer, lame duck years. That's in St. fair. Louis. But it, it's an odd situation. I mean, the just the amount of kicking around those teams have done, especially the Rams. Yeah. I mean, Thousand Oaks, Irvine, bouncing back and forth. It's not easy, but I don't understand why they wouldn't just move. I mean, if you're looking for a place and you know you're going or, there eventually, why not? Okay, so or move somewhere closer to Las Vegas. Move to like, do the Oilers Oilers thing and move to like Reno, play in the University of Nevada Stadium. Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. I, no, I'm just saying, if you it, go somewhere that's building a fan base where you need to be. I'm looking I'm with at you on the Mackay Stadium right now. It looks beautiful. I'm with you on the Vegas thing. I have no We're idea why they Reno. wouldn't just do that. All right, uh, my take shot. action? I think that Frank Reich is the coach of the year. Okay. Is that fair? Like, I understand that just by, again, the box ticking that we normally yeah. do, that Nagy probably will win it if the Bears win the division and win like 11 games. But the job that Frank Reich has done in Indy and the fact mm-hmm. that that team is relevant right now, this early in kind of their trajectory as a franchise is remarkable With the staff me. that... Josh McDaniels hired. Is that true? Yeah, the coordinators were hired in the Josh McDaniels era. So Sirianni and then Eberflus? Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. But at, the, at least Eberflus. I think it was just Eberflus. Okay. I think but Reich still, built his but staff. Still. But yes, so you inherit a defensive coordinator and then you're coming in at the 11th hour and the job he's done is just unbelievable. And Early in the year, everyone was talking about, you know, Luck is doing all these dink and dunk passes and is he healthy, everything else. And then you watch them last week and he's chucking 60-yard bombs to T.Y. Hilton. Mm-hmm. It just finally seems like that entire offense is coming together. And I don't know, man. I just didn't expect it to be like this this fast. Like, that team is fun. That Dallas Indy game this week is one of the highlights of this weekend. I mean, it's an unbelievably important game. And... I just did not expect the Indianapolis Colts this season, especially after their start, to be playing a relevant football game in a week 15. Do you know when Jimmy Johnson went to University of Miami? This reminds me of that. Um, they said he couldn't touch the assistants for one year, so he was just with the other guys, and he hated them. It's just a terrible he idea. he hated them. It's a and terrible idea. he fired idea. them as soon as he could. All right, so not all of them, but all right. So a couple things. Number one, you're absolutely right. Matt Nagy is going to win Coach of the Year. The Colts Which have, I'm fine with. The He's Colts, done a very good the job. The Colts have to make up the playoffs for this to even be, even for him to even get a significant amount of votes. That's fair. I totally agree with you. He's done a really, really, really good coaching job. There's a couple of sort of other candidates I think about. I th- and it, this is just, if we're not playing the, the box ticking, this is always the coach of the year game, okay? I think that Pete Carroll has done a really, yeah. really, really good job. And... Brian Schottenheimer is just dunking on us weekly. I think that, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that someone like a Sean Payton, someone like a 
Andy Reid, even an Anthony Lynn, I think that people perceive those teams as having so much talent that yeah. they're not going to be considered, but they've done, obviously, great coaching jobs. I think Andy Reid, by the job he's done, is the coach of the year, but he's not going to win. Right. What about, like, a Jason Garrett, if they wouldn't go 11-5 and five here? Absolutely not. I'm just letting you know, he's done a nice coaching job. He, he really hasn't. He's been fine. I'm, I'm giving five, Jason baby. Garrett very little credit Scoreboard. about what's going on right now. Scoreboard. I'm going to gaslight people into thinking I was in, hugely in favor of the Amari Cooper trade and the Cowboys organization. That's going to be impressive if you pull that off because that's a lot of kind of cleaning up that you have to do. Oh, no, I can do it. I believe in you, buddy. Thank you. All right. Let's get to the biggest three games of the week. Let's start with Patriots-Steelers, which, I mean, if you think about the AFC over the last 10 years, this is it. And I just feel like the Steelers are going in a really bad direction. I wrote about it on Monday, but I don't know, man. They could miss the playoffs. It's very conceivable for them to do. I mean, they're playing the Patriots this week. They play the Saints next week. The Ravens have a decently easy schedule down the stretch. And I think the Ravens are playing much better football than the Steelers are right now. This is a huge game. If they lose this, it's going to be trouble very quickly. Last three games, last four games, excuse me, Rob Gronkowski versus the Steelers. Nine catches for 143 yards and a touchdown. Five catches for 94 yards and three touchdowns. Four catches for 93 yards and a touchdown. Nine catches for 168 yards. No touchdowns. And the Steelers aren't exactly better in their linebacking core and at safety than they have been in years past. That's correct. Now, and also just the schemes have been so strange. And and as we've discussed, the schemes against good players are still not that good, okay? So I'm interested in this because it's as big a test for Gronkowski as it is for the Steelers. Like, I want to know if Gronk can still do this. Um, he had a really nice game last no, week. No, of course I mean, did. outside of the, saying, the botched defensive play spent, at the end, he had a really spent, nice game. We've spent an entire season talking about how Gronk has maybe lost a step and is not the guy he was, which has been seemingly acknowledged by all corners here. And I'm really intrigued to see if... Um, the easiest test of whether or not Gronk is still Gronk is whether or not he can own the Steelers. So last week was weird for the Patriots in my mind because they lose that game. Because they lost on a 69-yard touchdown. They, they lost on a 69-yard touchdown to end the game. They gave up a ton of big running plays, including, including to Brandon Bolden, which I didn't even know he was still in the league, let Absolutely. alone ripping off 50-yard touchdowns. But there were also kind of moments in that game that were encouraging mm-hmm. on the New England side. Brady's three touchdown passes were all really impressive. Absolutely. I mean, the one to Edelman was perfectly placed. The one to Patterson up the seam was gorgeous. And even the one to Gronk, he dropped that ball behind the linebacker in front of the safety and was like, all right. It was a very good game outside of him taking the sack at halftime. Did you see before that. Rocky Blyer's uh, criticism? No. Okay, so Steelers legend Rocky Blyer made like a weird, I'm not even sure where it originated. He made a weird cell phone video where he just ripped the Steelers and it's become a huge thing. As I've not seen that, unfortunately. I mean, it, it's, it's the same thing as, you know, any sort of team legend ripping a current team. But because, A, he has, Rocky has an incredible mustache and he's also a very dignified person. It was the most dignified ripping I've ever seen in my life. He, he has a very, like, established voice. I really recommend everyone viewing I'll it. check it out because, because that, he's just those like, two things are not, those don't work for me. Dignified and ripping, those no, don't no, normally no, no, go no. together. You can barely even tell that he's ripping the team. Even though he's That's just really completely ripping them to shreds, he's just like, well, I, I'm done with them. Look at this. Look at this. Yeah, he really does look like a very dignified man. He's just destroying Great the Steelers mustache. in this video. Great mustache. And, like, the sweater over the this. dress shirt. It's just unbelievable. Incredibly put together. Unbelievable. So I wrote about this on Monday with the Steelers, but I I also think it's worth kind of discussing here. If they miss the playoffs this year, what happens? Because 
Well, they, we talked about this on Monday. We did, but then I looked at it a little bit more, and you, you figure that you know if you miss the playoffs and you have the kind of downslide they've had, one significant change is in the organization, but also just retooling the roster. But they only have nine million dollars in cap space next year. They, they well, I mean, there I, isn't I, a lot of wiggle room for this team. It's I, pretty much set in stone. I think part of it is I mean, they they thought they had their team. Yes, because right? they've been close. And when when you're close, you think you think you don't need thirty, forty million dollars in cap space. So are they nine million under even with the fourteen million dollar rise? Yeah, I mean, okay. just like whatever the estimation is okay. on over the cap, it was okay. nine million. But okay. then they're going to roll some over because Bell didn't sign right. his franchise tag, so it's going to be like twenty three. And they don't have that many guys to cut. I think Hayden would save them ten million, and then there's a couple more. But for the most part. Their expensive contracts are new contracts. Well, they thought that they just needed sort of maximum output from the guys they had. If you have a good Antonio Brown season, a good Roethlisberger season, Le'Veon, not having Le'Veon Bell hurts, but you know James Conner has been very good, even though he's been banged up recently. I just think that they probably thought they built the team they wanted to build. And for some reason, they are playing just completely, inexplicably badly. Some of these losses have been horrible. So... They have won three playoff games since Antonio Brown became a full-time starter. Three. Yeah. We kind of throw them in there with the Steelers and the, and the Seahawks and everybody else that's like define this decade. But in reality, they have not been that successful. And their defense, it's not like one or two players away. Their evaluation and kind of acquisitions of defensive backs over the last five years has been atrocious. Yeah. And it's not going to get fixed anytime soon, and they don't have that many resources to fix it. It's not as if they're an off-season away from becoming a team that can play on the level of the Chiefs and the Saints and everybody else. They're further away than that. So I just don't understand what this team is and where they are and where they're going. It's very confusing to me and so, kind of depressing. We talked about this with the Patriots a little bit, where Essentially, the Steelers were in position to compete because they were just good enough at a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. They were solid. And I kind of feel like in the era of all-in, in the era of mega, really, you know, incredible passing stats of, you know, teams that are spending every dime to the cap and don't care about the future, and there's a lot of teams like that, I think it's harder for those teams to compete. Just solid A-minus teams. It's harder for them to reach the level they need to. Having said that, having said that, that does not excuse some of these losses. They should not have lost to the Chargers. Or to the Raiders. Or to the Raiders. I mean, obviously. The Raiders are not all in, folks. They don't even know where they're playing next year. All right. Let's get to Eagles-Rams. Uh, this is a game that looked a lot better in August than it does right now. And the Eagles are a mess. Well, Nick Foles is starting. Uh, Nick Foles is going to play. I Did you see the latest update on Nick Foles? Oh, excuse me, on Carson Wentz? No. It's from Adam Schefter. A recent CAT scan on Carson Wentz's back revealed a fractured vertebrae. Oh, that's good. That's very good. That, if allowed time to rest, would fully heal without further expected issues, sources tell ESPN. He shouldn't play again. I mean, this year? Yeah. No, I just said fractured vertebrae. That's what I'm saying. I mean, but Let's take it easy. Guys have played with broken bones in their back. I mean, sure. He, he should not play again this season. I, they're, they're years Are you over. familiar with the famous Mike Tyson, I broke my back thing? No. There's this, after one of those fights, he said, I broke my back. And uh, During the fight? Yeah, I guess. And then the, the, the interviewer says, uh, what, kind of back, what kind of back injury was it? And he says, spinal. <laughs> 
It was amazing. I, I that's another after you watch the Rocky video, I recommend Mike Tyson's Spinal. I'm learning so much today. I really appreciate it. I so in this game, I just feel like this is the classic bounce back for the Rams. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles secondary is a mess. Well, I I, I got to tell you, the same way I view the Steelers game as a test for someone like Gronkowski, if the Rams can't absolutely own yes. this Eagles defense, that's when I start getting concerned. If golf doesn't sling it around on Sunday, then we should start getting worried because it just feels like because they, they gave up 434 passing yards to the Cowboys who yeah. cannot throw the ball like the Rams. Yes, that's exactly why they've given up since the bye. The Eagles have given up over 400 yards of offense in four of their five weeks. Cornerbacks are important. This is something we've learned. You need some of them. I was messing around on PFF yesterday and the Eagles have the fifth worst tackling in the NFL. Go ahead just miss tackle rate? Yeah, just tackle yeah. rate. Why don't you go ahead and have a bad tackle rate against Todd Gurley? See how that goes. I mean, their run defense has been much worse as of late, but I still have more faith in that than I do in their secondary. Oh, stop the Rams. absolutely. I'm just saying from a, from a big picture standpoint, if the Rams can't get off the schneid here, then I'm officially worried about the Rams. Yeah, I, I feel like this is the golf game where he throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns and we start feeling good about the Rams again. I mean, maybe I'm just simplifying that in a way that I shouldn't, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, totally agree. All right, Saints at Panthers. Again, a game that looked much better about two months ago. Um, the Panthers are a disaster right now. I mean, what they allowed the Browns to do through the air last week, it, Baker Mayfield did whatever he wanted down the field. And against Drew Brees, that's probably bad. It's the same kind of deal. Like, if the Saints can't move the ball on this Panthers secondary just all game without any sort of problems at all, then I'm going to start getting worried about the Saints because they had that slow start last week against Tampa. The week before, they could not move the ball against Dallas. Mm -hmm. This is the game where, again, they need to get off the schneid as well. It's interesting to me that Breeze and Sean Payton have had some of their lowest offensive outputs of their era. In Carolina. In Carolina, but also this season. I mean, just this this season, we've seen some of the highest numbers of the Sean Payton-Drew Breeze era and some of the lowest. And I I, I don't necessarily... Which game outside of... The Dallas game, Minnesota? Uh, Yeah, hold on, let me get the stat. The Minnesota game, they scored 30, so it's kind of misleading, but they had the defensive touchdown. The offense did not move the ball, especially through the air. All right, so you look at the last three weeks of the New Orleans Saints. This is what I'm talking about. 198 yards last week, 111 passing yards. This is Drew Brees, Drew Brees. 198 last week, 111 the week before, 162 the week before. And... I, I I understand they're they won two of three. I understand they're eleven and two. It's just slightly strange to me when they're they're basically connecting every time. I mean, the, his completion percentage is still absurd. He still have an incredible season. It's but they're just, not that machine they were earlier in the year. No, I mean, that, that's the difference. But that, that, I think in some ways that was always unsustainable. I guess so, but uh, why? I, because the way they were dominating because, teams because through that stretch. When you throw to Michael Thomas and you complete ninety percent of your passes, I'm sorry. Like one out of every ten times, I, having a, a a misfortune or whatever is is not sustainable. Because somebody's finger is yeah, gonna get someone's in the way. finger yeah. is going to get in the way. Someone's going to fall down twenty percent of the time. There's going to be a blade of grass. I mean, it's all the, the idea that you can connect. I think his completion percentage at one point this season was 80%. That just doesn't happen. It was higher than that. 
Yeah. It was like 88. It was through 88. the first like five yeah. or six weeks. Right. And then his completion percentage over the middle of the field was like 93%. I mean, everything was absurd and it just wasn't football to expect that always to continue. Just things happen. Misfortunes happen. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like they're probably somewhere in between, but I'd like yeah. to see them closer to that end of the spectrum it's still on Sunday. still 75%. Yes. I mean, their offense is still very, very good. It's just not the unstoppable juggernaut that it was for that kind of three or four week stretch that we yeah. saw. All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break. Control Center by Cavo is the one remote that does it all. This holiday season, help your loved ones take control of their TV with the gift of Control Center. Control Center cleans up your home theater so you can control everything connected to your TV with one easy-to-use remote. And stop wasting precious time searching for shows. Plug in your streamer, sound system, cable or satellite, even your game consoles, and Control Center handles it all. It's easy to use for everyone. Even your father-in-law can't get the game on. There's also a Find My Remote feature, so you don't need to panic if it disappears into the couch. Control Center works with Amazon Alexa and Google Home, so you can even watch TV hands-free. Relax this holiday season and enjoy stress-free TV with Control Center. I got a Cabo a couple of months ago. I have so many devices. I have so many streaming services. I've got my cable. My wife and I, our lives have been simplified to an incredible degree by this thing. It's only one remote. I used to have 50 remotes. Maybe not 50. 10? I probably had 10 remotes. Now I've got one. Shop now and get 40% off Control Center with promo code NFL. That's $59.95. 40% off regular pricing of $99.95. Control Center is available at caavo.com and Best Buy. Control Center by Cavo. One remote that does it all. All right, let's get to uh, Geeks Out and Sneaky Truth for this week. Uh, my Geeks Out is going to be kind of similar to last week, uh, just in the sense that the Colts offensive line is involved. But it's about the Dallas defensive line, because that group right now is dominating games. Demarcus Lawrence is playing as well as he did at any point last yep. season. Gregory has been really good for them. Crawford had a really nice play last week. They do so much great stuff individually, especially Lawrence. I mean, yep. He is in a zone right now. So going against Braden Smith, who is playing decent, but is a rookie, I think that's a matchup that Dallas can win consistently. And then every single time they do a stunt, it seems like somebody gets home. For whatever reason, they're just really clicking right now. And the Indy offensive line has been playing excellent, and they really shut down Houston last week. The Colts had their deep passing game working like it hasn't all season. But I feel like this is going to be another huge test for them. And I don't know. The, the Dallas defensive line has controlled their last couple games, and I feel like they are have a chance to do it again. Having studied this, where do you put Demarcus Lawrence when you're talking about the absolute stud pass rushers? He's the in the top tier. Top, I mean, top like, tier. I, so like, let's do it this way. If the top tier of front four players mm-hmm. is, let's say, Donald, Watt, Mac, Demarcus Lawrence is right below that, but it's definitely tier two. I mean, he's played phenomenal this season and combined with what he did last year, that dude is going to get that hundred million dollar, like a Mac Donald contract. He absolutely is. Cowboys are running some cap problems at some point. They've got some space next year though. Yeah. They can sign him, but they, I'm just saying the next couple of years, there's going to be some, well, some what, I mean, the Dak, uh, the Dak contract is obviously and kind of the wrench. Zeke to, and Amari. Yes. But I feel like next season, and if they Bi- want Byron Jones, Elite leaper, Byron Jones. 
If they want to bring Lawrence back next year, they can. Oh, of and course. I think next they should. Year. I absolutely think they should because he's played at that level. If he wants $22 million a year, he's going to get it from somebody. Yep. Oh, totally agree. Um, yeah, it's, it's, pass rushers are so interesting to me because the way that they, the way that they develop is really interesting to me. And just the, the I, I love seeing a guy like Demarcus Lawrence go from good to great. I just yeah. think it's so fun. And so many times, just guys don't get there. Vic Beasley is just not going to get there. He's but, very far away from but, there. No, 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 no. I'm just saying you see these guys when they're young and they all kind of look into one group. Vic Beasley's not going to get there. Bud Dupree is not going to get there. Demarcus Lawrence is there. And that's what's so exciting about his, his development and seeing a guy who can wreak havoc because that's the piece you need now in the modern NFL. That's it's what I'm the saying. absolute game wrecker. The guy who can create a turnover. And you're not going to be able to keep all, you know, you're not going to be able to keep the Chiefs or, in this case, the Saints under 20 points every single week. You did it once. You may not be able to do it again. What you can do sustainably is get in the backfield and wreck games. I also think, you know, what's interesting to me right now is look at a team like Denver. And Denver has two of the top four pass rushers in the NFL right now in Chubb and Miller. And those are Chubb's quietly had a really nice year. He's fourth in the NFL in pressure rate. The only players better are his teammate, Aaron Donald and Danell Hunter. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I love that foundation. When they did that, I've always enjoyed when teams load up on a strength. Yep. If you have Von Miller, just get the next guy and have that be your total identity defensively. And that's yeah. what they've done. It's worked. Yeah, no, and so what I'm saying is, is that you need those pieces going forward because you're not going to be able to be a dominant defense every week. I know Cowboys fans say, okay, we have Leighton Van Der Esch, we have a good secondary, we have whatever. You can go out in, in, in free agency and get get a little more help but no it's not you're not sign your guy to, yeah. in free agency you're that's not, the free agency you're not agent going you to sign. be able to in the future offensives offenses are still getting better there's going to be more offensive minds in the league next year have a game record like Demarcus Lawrence to just own people you and need that guy plus that, you need the guy to get the sack after Randy Gregory commits three straight penalties which is really important alright sneaky truth hit me this is the sneakiest truth maybe maybe all season Deep breath, everybody, because I'm going to say it. Joe Flacco about has been benched, semicolon. Joe Flacco is going to have a depressing amount of interest from multiple NFL teams this offseason. That is, by the way— So, like who, though? That's my question. I, I'm just letting you know it's going to happen. So, let's first take a look at Joe Flacco's contract. Joe Flacco's cap— the cap hit this year is $24 million. His dead cap is $40 million. Why was Joe Flacco's dead cap in 2017 $53 million? I would do you one better. Why was it believe, $69 million in I 2016? I believe they restructured. That's, okay, that's a, It was yeah. basically guaranteed. So it's $40 million this year. It goes to 16 next year. Okay. They have a potential out in 2020. It's so bad. Which would may have made it a, essentially a... They have an out, which is basically $8 million in dead cap after next year. So if you're the Ravens, do you just eat the $16 million? They have $28 million. Okay. So, so do you just cut Flacco? Do you try to trade him? I try to trade him. I mean, you just said he's going to have a lot of interest. Man, so. everybody has a lot of interest. This is a depressing league. And we think, oh, you see Mahomes. You see even Lamar Jackson, who's you know really exciting. You see goddamn Josh Allen. 
who looks more exciting than Joe Flacco. Let me say that for the people in the back. Josh Allen is like 50 times more exciting than Joe Flacco. Absolutely. That's why I wanted the Ravens to stick with Lamar no matter what happened. Well, they did. At least this is interesting. Yes. They did. They did. Okay, so let's let's take a look at the candidates. Who needs a quarterback next year? The Bucs? Theoretically, yes. Theoretically, yes. I mean, we'll see what they do. The Winston thing is one of the biggest kind of decisions in the offseason. Yep. Jacksonville Jaguars need a quarterback. They definitely do. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are oh a type God. of franchise. If they went with Flacco, it w- they are the type. I'm just oh, telling you they're the type I do not of franchise. Know how I'd react. I'm just telling you they're the That's, type of that franchise. That would be so sad. Now, now here's I have a question about this next one. Okay. What are the Raiders going to do a quarterback? It feels like after the last couple of weeks, Carr's going to stick around. Well, that's that's my question because the last five weeks, Carr has been on fire. He's been fine. Yeah. I mean, he's been much, much I mean, better. Okay. I mean, we wrote him off a month ago. I and mean, we thought we, said we, be, we, he was we gone. Did, yes. We did on this podcast basically the obituary for his season. We said that this is not and his time work. in Oakland. And yeah. I I, I did that. Yes. You, you may not have. I absolutely I was did. a little slower on the trigger there. I was ready to go. I but, mean, it just feels like every single thing was pointing to him not being the quarterback there next year. Right. Now I don't feel as strongly about that. So he has 7.5 in dead cap. He is he has a uh, a 20 $2.5 million cap hit next year. It's 25 this year. They can get out of it if they want to. This is going to come down to Gruden's ego and what he wants yes. to do with the position. I feel like they'll probably roll with him. This I think season. they'll probably roll with him. Now, do they draft a quarterback and then roll with him? If they like one of those guys. That's the thing we can't predict. Like, are do they like Herbert if Herbert comes out? Or do they are they Will Greer people? I mean, that's the thing we can never kind of understand is are these teams attracted to these quarterbacks? Here's my thing, though. I, well, the one thing I don't understand with John Gruden is he, the profile of quarterback that he liked was never the sort of high draft pick. I mean, he 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 liked Jeff Garcia more than he tried to trade. He for, rolled with Sean he tried King to trade yeah. for Jake Plummer when they had Chris Sims. I don't know why this, this era of Bucks football is just out of my mind, apparently. I, I, you you dude, have all these nuggets I, that you've been pulling out. I have, no, he's growing up I in Florida. He, he tried to trade for Jake Plummer. Jake Plummer wouldn't come out of retirement. Chris Sims then said their relationship was irrevocably, irrevocably bro- broken. Excuse me. Um, he had Jeff Garcia around then. Jeff Garcia being the best quarterback he had in that, basically in that era. Which is terrifying. He had, obviously, Brad Johnson, which he won the Super Bowl with. I mean, like, we we keep talking about the Raiders quarterback situation like it's ever going to be rational. John Gruden has never acted rationally towards a quarterback. I think they make a big move in the next two years, but I don't know if it I happens this I think Brian offseason. Greasy was on some of those teams. Yeah, he was. Brian Greasy was on those Bucks teams. Absolutely. When Gruden was still there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Two he was seasons. on the Bears after. I thought he was on the Bears earlier He spent that. two seasons there. We keep approaching the Raiders quarterback position like it has anything to do with who's good and bad at quarterback. I think they do go out and get somebody, but I think, I mean, just based on their timeline right now, do they need one this year? No. They absolutely can just run it back next year and be terrible again. They're not in a hurry. I would like Maybe to, that'll change if they move to Vegas. I would like to talk to you for one second about a couple of things. Number one, let's talk about the... Tampa Bay Bucks starting quarterback Wikipedia page. Brad Johnson to Rob Johnson, 2002. Rob Johnson started a game. What a time. Brian Greasy, Chris Sims, Bruce Gradkowski, Tim Rattay, Jeff Garcia, Tim Rattay. Luke McCown, Finito. 
Then we get into Raheem Morris. Starting with Byron <laughs> Leftwich. Starting with Byron Leftwich. Then we get into Raheem Morris is a hell of a sentence. Byron Leftwich. All right, anything else to say about Flacco? I, I did not know that Byron Leftwich played for the Bucs. I don't remember this. He started three games for them. Yeah, I do not remember that whatsoever. What year? 09. Wow. That was my junior year of college. I apparently was not paying attention. Yeah, me neither. All right. And I was five at five hour drive away. Before we get out of here, let's talk about a very good Thursday night football game. Chargers at Chiefs. This is fun, man. I mean, that division is not settled yet. It is not settled. Uh, the Chiefs have a two-game lead on the Patriots for the one seed, and they still might, in some scenario, end up playing a wildcard weekend. Well, who do they have after this? I believe they play the Raiders again, right? They play the Raiders and the Seahawks. I mean, it's conceivable that they could lose in Seattle. And the suddenly hot Raiders. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that suddenly one. Suddenly hot. Oakland Raiders moving to San Antonio. So the 538 gives them a 90% chance of getting in the bye and winning the division. But there's always yeah, I mean, that That chance. sounds right. Uh, so the thing I want to see this week, I don't, who wins is not that important to me. The Chargers defense has been playing much better. And I want to see how they play against this. If the Chargers team. win this game, it goes down to 70%. It's going to be fun. I mean, these are the rare Thursday night games that are actually watchable and enjoyable after mm-hmm. last week's debacle. Derrick Henry becoming the greatest running back of all time because the Jags no longer give a shit. The Jaguars game was the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm glad that's over. Yeah, I, I'm very excited to have a real football game on Thursday night. Wow. I love that they scheduled this game the week after Titans-Jaguars. I think they, that's what we they did. We did a little... We they, did lowered a, they lowered expectations to such a degree. They did yeah. a little detour, and they said, here's your classic to shithole Thursday night game, and now we got a classic. Here's a couple of real football teams. So if if the Chargers win out, no matter what, they win the division. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, th- that Chargers team is really good. Yes. I mean, the fact that they just, by the rules, have to be a wildcard team just because they play in the same division as the Chiefs is very misleading. Like, yeah. I think they're one of the best five or six teams in the league. Yeah, they're play them twice. Can beat them. Um, I love playing around the playoff scenario generator because it's just you spent you spent a lot of time on there like the entire well, month of December. It's yeah. it's. I got the Lions in the playoffs recently. I got how the, are you a wizard? It's very. It's not very possible, but it's possible. The Lions Good have for a you, better buddy. chance of making the playoffs, or the same chance as the Packers. They could get to which eight seems eight. unlikely. They get to eight and eight. There, it's four percent for both. What a time! They can get right. to eight and eight, and then then it's anybody's ball game. The sixth seed has created just ultimate playoff scenario generators. Yeah, and in the AFC too. I mean, think about all the teams that are seven and six, and all the. I had to tell you there. something. I'm less intrigued by them because they're all the baseline of competence. Like the Colts getting in is not funny to me. Funny? It's, yeah, the Lions getting in is the funniest thing I can. Oh, possibly the Lions getting imagine. in is hilarious. The Colts getting in is not funny. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying the Colts this, are a real team. There's no reason to play with the playoff generator to get like realistic scenarios. That's fair. No, that, give me that. You get the Lions in. Get the. I guess the Lions are the funniest team, right? I think that the Giants can make it. That's definitely that, that's better. All right, I think that's all we got, buddy. We will be back on Sunday night as we always are. And uh, in the meantime, thank you for listening to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Thanks, guys. 